Welcome to the Loving Lake Geneva podcast. I'm your host, Karen Stray Rappaport. Each episode, I take an outside the wake look at the area's most interesting people, places, and happenings. It's another great day here in Lake Geneva, and the lake looks stunning, so let's jump right in. Yerkes Futures Foundation Chairwoman Diana Coleman said in a press release that after conducting a comprehensive executive search, the board feels confident they have found the right leader to carry on the foundation's mission of preserving the observatory's history and reopening it for research and education. And that leader is our guest today. Dennis Coyce is the executive director of the Yerkes Future Foundation. Welcome, Dennis. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Well, I understand you are no stranger to Wisconsin. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm excited to be back in Wisconsin. I grew up in uh, Whitefish Bay, which is just outside of Milwaukee, and so was a uh, Wisconsinite by birth and went to University of Wisconsin. And then, uh, like a lot of people, left the state um, and worked elsewhere and uh, didn't necessarily uh, think I would be back, but have been circled back a few times now and really excited to be back and part of the observatory. They always come back, don't they? That's right. Boomerangs. <laughs> I think There's the so many people that grew up here that end up back here. Uh, so what, what kind of caught your eye about this position and made you want to even apply for it? Well, you know, to me, it's a pretty unique opportunity in the world of um, science and culture, which is to create something new. And you know there are some wonderful institutions I've been a part of over the years um, that do some wonderful things, and it's great to to connect to those and be part of making something uh, better or sustaining it. But creating something new from whole cloth is pretty unique in the world of cultural and science. And so to me, this was really a unique uh, chance and challenge. And um, I think the right people are involved, and it's it's just a really unique facility, as anyone who lives in the area knows. So. Uh, there's an opportunity there to create something that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. And I think that's the charge that we've all taken on. And when did you actually start? So, well, I'm in, I'm in week four, so you'll have to give me a little bit oh. of a pass on any uh, you know, sure. questions, but uh, it's been 20 days. So I'm sure, you know, I've, got, I've hopefully got a lot of things solved after 20 days. Well, I appreciate you making the time to do this because I'm sure you're swamped. So we had Diana Coleman on here um, as a guest, gosh, in over a year and a half ago mm -hmm. when all of this was just kind of beginning. Um, so we do have a lot to catch up on since then. Um, and it was May of 2020 that the, the Future Foundation took over ownership. For people that are not really familiar or didn't hear that podcast, can you give just a brief history of uh, Yerkes Observatory and what makes it so special? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the observatory uh, was founded and was always connected to the University of Chicago, and it dates back to the late 1890s, when uh, at the time of its creation, it was the largest refracting telescope in the world. And to, uh, by certain measures, that's actually still true. But, you know, in its day, Yerkes was really the leading site for astronomy um, in the world for, for quite an extensive period of time. Um, and even when it was superseded by other technologies and other observatories, remained a really important site for scientific discovery and scientific research uh, through its affiliation with the University of Chicago and through the folks who worked there. Um, there are a, you know, an incredible array of scientific luminaries have uh, walked the 
halls have been on staff there. Uh, people who won Nobel Prizes, uh, people who became household names like Carl Sagan, um, you know, scientists uh, traveled from around the world to visit the observatory. Uh, many lake, you know, many people in the Geneva Lakes area know, uh, you know, that Einstein uh, visited and famously it was one of his top things he wanted to see on his trip to the United States. So it's got this incredible history and uh, a long one. So, you know, nearly 125 years of scientific research uh, conducted there. So, um, you know, back in the day when you um, learned a new thing about the heavens, you know, whether it was uh, discoveries of comets or, uh, you know, sort of solar events or um, things happened in the world that became worldwide news that related to astronomy, the, the byline in newspaper stories around the world was often uh, Lake Geneva um, or, you know, Williams Bay. And uh, then the story would be shared. And so it was really a place that people all over the world knew. And it's pretty, pretty amazing that, you know, I mean, just, of course, everything you said is, you know, the core of, of what makes it uh, so important, but just the physical, you know, uh, facility itself in that dome. I mean, every time I drive by there, just seeing it, you know, down the, the, the grassy area, it's just so majestic looking. And then, you know, everybody on the lake always uses it as kind of a point of interest on the lake. And um, it, it is really a spectacular just sight to see even before you walk in the doors. It really is. And, you know, I kind of used the phrase, last time of the phrase architectural confection, because it is, you know, it's kind of like a, a you know, piece of beautiful cake that's set in front. I mean, they don't build buildings like that anymore, you know, which is a bit of a cliche, but really true in this case. And, you know, the reason for that is just simply, you know, it was built um, with the aid of, you know, a donor, uh, Mr. Yerkes, who wanted to um, you know, sort of put his name in good stead in Chicago society. And so they had, you know, in essence, all the money in the world to create this place. And, you know, it was designed to be this incredibly uh, inspiring building. There's a, a beautiful architectural detail. You know, as you said, the dome has become a signature of the lake. And, you know, it's wonderful as I've traveled around the various communities, you know, it's on the wall in the high school, it's on the patches of the police department, in Williams Bay, it's, you know, on the town crest. I mean, it's one of those things that's just become adopted by everyone in the, in the region. And that's a wonderful uh, detail of it, I think. And, and why it was so important that, you know, it be saved, <laughs> which it was. In, indeed, yes, yeah. And, you know, it's like a lot of scientific institutions and, you know, pieces of technology, it kind of lived its life. I mean, it, it, it you know, had its heyday. And while it's still an important piece of scientific um, technology and still usable, you know, it's not, uh, uh, the big telescope is not gonna be one that can conduct cutting edge research in the future, but it's an incredible piece of history an incredible piece of culture and shared uh, knowledge. And so it's something that's worth preserving and protecting and conserving and finding a new and, and fresh vision for. And so that's really what I think the foundation uh, has struck on as its next set of goals. So the foundation obviously owns the actual observatory, but also all the land around it, or, you know, it seems like people are very confused by that, about what exactly is owned by this foundation. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think worth clarifying. So the, uh, the Yerkes Future Foundation owns the observatory building and 50 acres of land uh, that are contiguous to it, which is less than the original site, which I believe, as I understand, it was closer to 80 acres. Before the University of Chicago transferred the property to the foundation, it chose to sell off some parcels of land. It chose to retain some parcels of land that um, some of your listeners may be familiar with. Uh, 
there's some discussion about what would happen to those with some rezoning. That's all the university's decision and process was the observer and 50 acres of land surrounding it. Okay, so that 50 acres, there's not going to be anything happening on on that land. Is correct. that what you're saying? Correct. Okay, no, so people don't correct. need to, to write emails to all of you about that, right? No, we are we are not uh, trying to change anything or rezone anything. That's that's the university, and that's their call for property they still own. But ultimately, we are um, there, you know, as a cultural and as a scientific institution. Those 50 acres are a historic, you know, Olmsted Brothers designed landscape, which is a whole other aspect of the observatory that's pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, that it was designed by this incredible. A landscape firm that's got a, a quite fantastic history in America. And so that is what we are there to preserve and conserve and find uh, new and creative uses for going forward. But those will all be related to, um, you know, its uh, presence and site as a cultural and scientific institution. Uh, we're not going to be doing anything unexpected with that landscape. I don't think that anyone will be surprised by. Okay, that's great. I think that's that is an important clarification. So, so you started four weeks ago. You walk in. What's your first plan of attack? What do you do first? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> what do you even? That's a great start? question. What What is there not to do at that point? Um, I, you know, I'd say what I really focused on initially is a couple of threads. Um, you know, of trying to sort of get organized. One is to meet the community. And so, you know, chances like this to, um, you know, sort of introduce myself to the community, literally introduce myself to the neighbors, um, you know, meet folks in town. Um, so I'm slowly working my way through a list of, you know, town officials, the school superintendent, um, you know, community leaders, influencers, people who own businesses, uh, just trying to, you know, get out and about and connect with as many people as possible. So I think that's important. I'd say the second piece of this is coming to understand and the scientific um, facet of the future mission of the observatory. So, you know, there's the great refracting telescope, which is the giant dome, and that is the historic telescope. But there are also two other telescopes uh, in two smaller domes that many people will be familiar with uh, in the building. And those still have the opportunity to do cutting edge research, um, you know, if they are uh, handled the right way, if they're upgraded in certain ways. Um, you know, so what do we want to do with those? How does that need to happen? What do area universities, regional universities, the national and international scientific astronomy community, what do they need from us? So I'm spending some time talking to directors of other um, observatories, talking to the chairs of different uh, astrophysics and astronomy departments at colleges around the nation, uh, talking to the folks at Adler Planetarium, you, know, you name it. Uh, and then I'd say the third facet is thinking about the wider vision of what um, the observatory and its site can become. You know, it ultimately is, um, you know, going to need to have sort of a second life so that it's just as valuable and important to the community for the next 125 years. And so, you know, really the question becomes, what does that look like? You know, it's not just, um, you know, what happens at night when the telescopes are looking up at the sky. It's what happens during the day, what happens in partnership with schools, what kind of events are held there, what happens when tourists or visitors come, um, you know, what do we offer and what are we about? And so I think defining that that mission and vision is really the third piece of the uh, the puzzle for us. So that's those are the things that I've been focused on and will probably be focused on for, you know, quite a quite a time into the future until we get organized. I mean, it's exciting to hear all of that. And I know just people are anxious to, you know, know when can I get in there and, are, you know, is this going to be available for 
the public to walk in or is it private research? It sounds like it's kind of a mixture of all of those things is the end goal. Uh, that is absolutely, that's a great way to put it. You know, ultimately, I think, you know, what I keep telling people is whatever vision you may have for what that observatory's future may be, there's probably an aspect of that that's going to be a part of its future. But none of us are probably thinking of it exactly as it will be in five years, 10 years, 50 years down the road. It's going to take on an, a new life and a new form that will be very different than what it has been. But certainly, um, you know, public access, public connection to science and big ideas and thinking about what it means to study the world outside of the world we all know as human beings you know those are those are big questions and big issues and the ways we engage the public and the community in those ideas i think are absolutely central to what the observatory needs to become so there will absolutely be a, a, a openness to it a transparency to it that i think you know might have been not part of its history but is definitely going to be part of its future and so what let's talk about just the next couple months is this you know is it going to be months you know of all the planning you're talking about and you know are there going to be any programs or visits to the observatory um coming up like you know this summertime or is this all strictly you know still going to be a planning period well it's um what i can tell you is you know let me start from what's happening now and then we can talk a little bit about what's what's coming up in the near-term future so you know right now if if you come over to the observatory um people what folks will find is that there's a large construction fence surrounding the site um, and that is there really for safety uh, reasons because there is a lot of work ongoing i know many people have noticed that parts of the observatory dome have been wrapped in some um, what looks from the lake like orange sheeting um you know they've perhaps seen some construction trucks coming and going. And what's happening is the first step of making sure that observatory is there for future generations is to preserve the physical structure. You know, what, what you described in the beginning of the podcast, which is it's, it's this incredible building. And it hasn't always received the, the care that perhaps it deserved um, for various reasons. And so what we need to do is stabilize, conserve, and ensure that it's ready, um, you know, for its future. So we have experts in brick restoration who are there, who have removed hundreds of bricks um, that need to be repaired or replaced. Um, that work is being done. The walls have become saturated with water over many decades, and those need to be dried out. Uh, and that takes a long time because some of those walls are over two feet thick. And so uh, brick dries at a rate of about an inch a year, so, um, sorry, an inch a month rather. And so it's gonna take a long time just to even dry the walls out to do some of that work. Uh, and the companies we're working with um, work like that are just some of the best in the world. Um, a company out of Chicago called Marion Restoration, they've worked on the, the stone walls of the Alamo, they've worked on the Washington Monument, they've worked on, uh, you know, the, the um, you know, buildings at the Smithsonian, so they know what they're doing. And so they're there to help us preserve some of the exterior uh, components of the building and make sure it's taken care of. We have electricians working on the inside to upgrade the electrical systems and bring the building up to code so that it can be uh, habited by the public and the public can be welcomed inside the doors. We have uh, painting and stone restoration going on. We are um, you know, cleaning out and sorting and conserving and saving, you know, all the historic, uh, you know, books, documents, objects, uh, evaluating what is there. So all that work is ongoing now, and it's pretty extensive uh, inside. And then outside, we um, are working with um, a variety of organizations to 
think about how to preserve and conserve the landscape, the historic Olmsted design landscape, um, which itself is a work of uh, art and cultural significance. So um, inside and outside, that work's all ongoing. That work will continue through this summer. Um, and so parts of the landscape are certainly still accessible to people on foot. Um, you know, people can walk uh, onto the landscape and take a look at what's going on from outside the construction fencing. Um, but the building itself, it's going to take quite a while to get it, uh, you know, reopened. And so I'm, you know, at this point, I can't give a hard date, but I certainly think it's um, not likely to be accessible this summer. But our goal is to get it open to the public and community as soon as we, we safely can. So that's, that's what's in the cards right now. Well, and you're you're saying it's extensive work, which it it certainly is, but also expensive. So, how is all of this being paid for? Oh, that's oh, Karen. That's a great question. Because <laughs> <laughs> we uh, encourage all of your listeners to make uh, donations in support of that work. Um, the work is being paid for the the Yerkes Future Foundation. You know, one of the wonderful things about it is these are all community members. Um, you know, from around the lake, who have stepped forward to help raise the dollars and shepherd this project um, through. And so that's the group that took ownership of the observatory. And that is also the group that has raised, um, you know, resources to begin this journey of uh, getting this work done. So, you know, we already have several million dollars worth of work underway, um, but we have many, many, many millions of dollars worth of work to go in the future. And that's apart from what it will take to sustain and staff and program, uh, you know, that facility and that landscape in the future. So like all nonprofits, whether it's a symphony, a museum, you know, the um, concerts by the lake series, whatever it might be, um, you know, we're a nonprofit organization. So we'll be doing fundraising. Um, we are doing fundraising and uh, we have some very generous donors who step forward to help get us started. And then that fundraising and that work will continue as our um, fundraising allows. And so that will be an ongoing process. It's a big part of what I'm there to do. Yeah. And I mean, for everybody who was so terrified of what was going to happen, you know, to the observatory and, and here are people who have stepped up to save it. And now it's time for all of us to step up and help. Um, because I mean, just what you described, you know, the, what you're doing this summer, I, I really can't even imagine the, the total expense of it. So it, it is a big, a big undertaking. And if folks want to um, support it, they're welcome to go onto the website, yerkesobservatory.org. And there's a way to actually just donate right on the websites, large or small. Um, we're grateful for all of those uh, supporters. And um, there, if there are folks that would like to get involved in other ways, they're welcome uh, to reach out to us uh, through the website and we will be happy to respond. Great. And I hope everybody does that. It, 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 was, it was fun to kind of read um, on the website some quotes about you um, just from you know people in your past and 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 currently and saying that you're a common sense leader who can multitask an intuitive decision maker and someone with street moxie I love that um someone said yeah that was that was a great one I must have bought someone a nice lunch or something I know <laughs> that's great I love it and that you're dynamic and thoughtful and that you have this distinct ability to balance innovation with pragmatism and so I mean there's just a whole page of of wonderful things said about you. So it sounds, you know, like uh, we definitely have the right person here to lead the way and so excited to have you. And it's so nice of you to, to want to go out into the community, to meet the community, because um, it really is a very special community here of, you know, people and businesses that support each other. And so I, I think, yes, once people talk to you and meet you personally, you know, you, you get everybody on board. 
Well, I, I certainly hope so. And you know, to me, that's um, you know one of the wonderful you know reasons that I chose to to sign on and be a part of this is I think the community is so supportive and is so unique, and there are just some amazing people you know in in that region, and you know that's going to be a big part of Yerkes' future and story. You know, it's also going to have a statewide presence and a, a regional and national and international presence. But you know, it starts with those who who know it best and who are closest. And while um, you know, Yerkes has kind of always been an inward-looking institution because of its you know um, academic affiliations and just the way um, you know it sort of operated in the past. You know, the opportunity now really is to connect to the community and be a, a part of the community and ensure that what we do is meaningful to those that um, you know live and work and and uh, you know, play around um, the observatory. So, you know, I encourage anyone who has thoughts, who has questions, who wonders what's going on. People tend to fill in uh, a lack of information with speculation. And in this case, what they can do if they if they have got questions, they can absolutely just reach out and shoot us an email from the website. And um, who those emails go to is me, and I'll be responding directly. And I'm happy to talk to anyone about it. So hopefully, it's it's a new day as far as uh, it, people knowing what's going on. That's wonderful. And I notice um, on the website, there's, you have uh, partners and supporters and um, some businesses, including the Marion that you talked about. Um, are, are these businesses who have given money or donated services or both? And I just want people with businesses to start thinking of ways they can help as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And yeah, and indeed everyone on that um, website in some way, shape or form has provided support. So it may be discounted services, it may be free services. Um, it may be that they have, you know, sort of gone above and beyond in various ways, but um, you know, some of those are, are regional companies and some are very, very local, um, you know, and so wonderful companies like Adams Electric has stepped in and, and just done a phenomenal job rewiring a 125 year old building um, in a way that is architecturally sensitive and, and uh, you know, basically transparent. You won't know it. It's new uh, when you get in there, but it's going to feel just, you know, worlds apart from, from what it was, um, you know, before uh, the foundation took over. And so, you know, they've been very generous with their time and uh, discounts and, and helping us navigate and get free products and things. So, so all those companies have been helpful and, and we welcome more help from the community. Oh, wonderful. Well, Dennis, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your very busy day to, to do this. And, and hopefully, you know, everybody will check out all the latest information on the website, or as you said, if they have questions, they can email you. Um, and right. Information is, is a good thing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, hopefully we'll all get in there to enjoy this building soon. And I think we'll all be just, you know, pleasantly surprised. It's going to be, um, just better than ever. So thanks for all the work you're doing and, and, um, thanks for coming on board. That's great. Thank you so much for uh, the invitation. And it's my honor and the honor of everyone that's involved in the foundation to be a part of, uh, you know, making what's next possible. And we're excited to share it with the community. Well, wonderful. And as always, thanks to the listeners for letting me share my love of Lake Geneva, the natural beauty, the crystal clear waters, the sunshine and the sunsets, but most of all, the people. I'm Karen Stray Rappaport. Join me next time as another guest takes their place in the sun. Bye for now. I feel alright Like the morning I